Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's up, everybody? Hope that you are enjoying your commute, your cooking, whatever you're doing right now, <laughs> listening to me and Thomas talk. Sitting outside in this sweltering weather. Dude, this is, it's insane. Dude, I'm tired of it already. Yeah. Oh, wait, Thomas is here. Hey, Thomas. <laughs> I didn't introduce you today. Sorry. Yeah, man. I'm here, but I'm melting. <laughs> Dude, it's, and if we were talking about it today, so we, we just announced that we're moving driving church to eight o'clock, right? Yeah, that's like, right. Like yeah. We're, we're announcing this. And so, um, August is still coming. Like it's Gosh, going, it's going to be so stinking hot. August in Alabama. Like, why do you want to go to hell? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> to get away from what hell froze over up north. Yeah. That's why I moved here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I I love the snow, and my wife loved the snow, but I always say, but you didn't have to shovel it. That's what I tell her. Dude, you know? listen, I call snow the white death. Yeah. I hate snow. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty when you're sitting inside, like, sipping some coffee, you know? But when you're outside shoveling that junk, it's a pain. I heard, I heard a comedian say one time, he was like, uh, he said, to the people that love snow, they're like, oh, you just... We, we love living places that have seasons. Like, we love living places that have seasons. Like, we have fall. seasons? But, uh, yeah, well, we have seasons, but we have the good ones, right? Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have, like, a two-week fall, two-week spring, and summer. Like, summer is, like, my favorite season ever. Like, I yeah. can handle the hot, man. I like it. I don't mind it, man. I, you know, I did. I was working in the yard. Uh, started out just mowing the yard. Then I'm, like, cutting down all these trees on our, like, property line. Next thing you know, it's, like, five hours later, and I'm, like, why can't I breathe, and why do I feel like I'm about to pass out and die? You know? It's because I, you were about to pass out yeah, because you were so dehydrated. I know. So I came inside to get in the shower, and I, I felt like the tortoise, man. I could hardly move. I couldn't lift my arm. I'm, like, is this because I'm old? Yes. Fat, probably. <laughs> you get in the and shower, and you just open just your the mouth and drink the water in yeah. the shower. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah, dude. All right. So listen, y'all, we're going to start a new, um, new beginning question because this is what me and Thomas realized. You can only intake so many podcasts. Dude. And you've intake. How do you say that? You've intook more than I have. Dude, I, I am a podcast. Like I am constantly surfing the web, surfing my Spotify for new podcasts all the time. It's a millennial thing. But man, I, I just can't like, I just can't, I'm ignoring him. So anyway, so <laughs> Thomas had the idea that we're going to bring up what's your favorite TV shows and movies that, you know. We, we, yeah. we watch it, and, we revisit. And today we, we're going to do TV shows. Yeah, today is TV show. So, yeah. Thomas, kick us off. Yeah, so this is, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. It's one of my favorites of, you know, my TV show. I, I get on binges, you know, and I'll watch several. And I'm, to be honest, a lot of times, like, when I get through the hard day, I don't feel like reading anymore. I don't feel like doing any more work like that. And so to, to chill out, I'll pop some popcorn or sit back with a water or soda makes or whatever. The best popcorn, by the way. Dude, I love making I make it on the stove. And so I'll, I'll watch like an episode or two of a series. Yeah. And so I kind of knock them out that way. But uh, my first one would be, and this is not an all time favorite. I just really like this one. It's mm-hmm. been on my mind lately talking with some friends. The, the, the movie, or sorry, the TV show Justified. Mm-hmm. Justified. It's basically about a guy who is a, a marshal, a U.S. marshal. And um, he's, he's in. Back to Kentucky. Back to Kentucky back to his roots right and he's uh dealing with all the stuff that goes on there as what a marshal would deal with. Grew up with yeah like, so it's, it's a little yeah. it's a little gritty it feels like an old western mm-hmm. you know like kind of yeah like a modern western it's almost shot in the same kind of style um and i love the main bad guy boyd yeah He's like one of my favorite guys, the characters in the whole thing. I like that actor anyway, but I, I don't remember his name. But actor. You don't I can't remember, remember his name. I'll have to look it up. But uh, I really, really like Boyd though, and so that's kind of the fun part for me is Boyd. That was like one of my favorite things about The Walking Dead. Like I loved Negan. 
Oh gosh, like, like, I that's re- when I stopped watching it with <laughs> Negan. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to bring up The Walking Dead because I'm so done with The Walking Dead. But like, um, I did love The Walking but Dead. I, did, I loved it. I loved it until Negan until like, Negan pulled out the bat. Yes, that was it, it dude. Was, I was we don't have to go any further. That I was, was done. Yeah, I'm going not going further. So anyway, so my favorite show, and this is my favorite show. Like this is my ringtone when you call me. Stranger Things. All right, <laughs> 80s culture incredible i was a really nine, good man. yeah I, I was born in 93 and so like i never got to experience the glory that was the 80s yeah but that show i feel like that show does a really good job of capturing 80s culture oh, like perfect, especially dude. season three when they so when, the, when the starcourt mall comes into town and all yeah. the businesses start shutting down yeah like this mall is like like just booming and all this i'm like man how how did it feel when the Colonial Mall came to Gadsden. <laughs> well, actually, I thought, when I saw it, I immediately thought Galleria. Yeah, the Galleria. That's what I thought. Yes, yeah. You know, when just I saw so, it. Like, the Galleria. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I mean, incredible show. Um, very sci-fi driven. Yeah. Uh, very dark um, in a lot of ways. In fact, I would even say, like, don't watch it with little kids at no, all. It's it scary it, it, on the it, front it side. Them, yes. it, it, it's even scary in the second season, but, I mean, I think the first season was the most shockingly scary. I wasn't yeah. so, I was surprised uh, that it scared me. I don't me. know, man. Sca- season it was three, good. bro? Well, yeah. Oh, it, they're all good, Season three has some terrifying scenes but man just such good sci-fi yeah i mean the um i think it's the duffy brothers i think that's their name i don't know great 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 writers great directors i love the show so um that's enough about stranger things yeah and obviously the guy i was talking about in justified boyd crowder his real name is walton goggins walton goggins yeah and, and you won't recognize that you'll just recognize his face oh yeah man yeah he's yeah. an excellent actor yes, dude yes. he's a lot of fun yes i recognize that dude he plays yeah. a good villain he's always good man <laughs> whatever he is he's good yeah, yeah. so who you've been worshiping with? We're keeping the rest of the questions the same. Yeah, so um, I'm back to Matthew Zygenis mm-hmm. and uh, this song "Yes and Amen." It's been in my heart a lot lately. Yeah. It's a little electronica sounding, but um, Portland man. Yeah, and, and it's really good. So it's not He's the grunge. Portland. It's not Matthew the grunge side yeah. of things. It's more like the the poppy electronica mm-hmm. side of things. Um, and the uh, music right now. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's really good, man. It's just basically saying like, all you need from me is not my work, not my bring anything to the all table, just my yes and amen. amen. That's all you need. It's, it's so really good. good. Yep. So Thomas made fun of me again about this one, but Shane is Shane, who we enjoy around this place. He, no, wait, wait. He tells me, hey, Shane is Shane dropped a new album, <laughs> and then he proceeds to play it. And what's the first song you played? Dude, I- I can sing you your love forever. Yeah, so when you sing it for us again, yeah, no, because last saying, week you sang it for us. Well, dude, I mean, if you want me to, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'll do anything once. And so what I said was, that's not new. <laughs> Number one. So they released this album. It's called Vintage. Yeah. And they redid a lot of the old, older, not like, and I say old, '90s yeah. worship songs yeah. that I enjoy. Like, I mean, they're nostalgic for me, man. Like, I mean, like, like that was like. I remember when my church, like, when we'd bust out a contemporary song, I'm like, man, Revival's about to break out in this joint. Like, you know? <laughs> did, did, hey, hey, were you really a Baptist if you if you lift up the song, lift up the line of, what's, what's what, like, I feel like dancing? Like, my yeah. church didn't sing that. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. But, like, I, I don't think we sang that line. I don't think my youth group sang that line because we're Baptists. We don't dance. <laughs> so. Yeah. What I, what I think is funny, though, is that, like, every time Tyler brings up one of these old songs and plays it, I'm just thinking in my head, like, to me, that was the worst era of worship music was the 90s, you know? Like, I remember leaving leaving the church, because I wasn't really a Christian yet, leaving the church in 94, and the song that had just hit was Spinning Round by DC Talk, mm-hmm. their first album. Yeah. And then I remember coming back to faith in 2001, 
and coming really to know Jesus. And I went to like a, a Mardell's, which is basically like a Walmart for Christian stuff out in Texas. And when I went in, they had this huge area where they had all these CDs you could listen to. And it was all these genres and it, music had come so far. Yeah. And I was just amazed. I was, I was just on cloud nine, man. Look at all this great music. Right. Yeah. And so when you mentioned nineties is your favorite era, I just, it's not my favorite era. It's definitely not my favorite era. Two weeks in a row. You suggested a nineties worship it song. They don't make it my favorite era. I don't know, man. Uh, it's a trend. Uh, it, it's not my favorite era. <laughs> I enjoy the production of the music. All right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Next. Matt Chandler said this about for about 90s music. He said that that was one thing that convinced him of the sovereignty of God's salvation. Yeah, dude. That if you get saved during that. Yeah. Got saved in the 90s. No doubt, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. So what are you reading? Uh, so for me, um, I've actually been, and this is actually kind of what spurred the topic today. Um, the Nine Marks Journal, uh, shepherding the work and the care, shepherding the work and the shepherding the work and the character of the pastor. I skipped a colon in the, in the podcast <laughs> notes. I was there trying to read that. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. And it's, then notice that Tyler is reading a journal article. Article, and I'm not, uh, but what, I mean, he's more academic than yeah, me today. I, I, I am more academic in that light, and so, <laughs> but, but for real though, it's been really encouraging for my soul. They've been uh, on the uh, this is a podcast I concert pastor saw, John Lehman and Mar Dever. They've been covering different aspects of like the pastor and social media. Yeah, like, it's good stuff. Should pastors be in social media and things like that? And this topic we're going to be talking about today came from that journal, so really good. Yeah. In contrast, I, I am reading a book called The Cornered Cat. A Woman's Guide to Concealed Carry by Kathy Jackson. Mm -hmm. Now, very different. It's not an MMA anything that you like to listen to. It is a concealed carry book. Yeah. I have a lot of people because they know that I like weapons. I have a lot of people that, that will come to me and will say, hey, how can I learn? What do I do? What do I buy? How do I protect myself? First thing is obviously get training, uh, learn what it really means to conceal carry, yeah. the responsibility. Um, and this book does a great job specifically geared towards women for how to do that well. In fact, I searched hard and long for a good book to get to my wife years ago, and I found this book and gave it to her. So I've just kind of reread it recently. I like the title. It's really good, man. Yeah, it's, it's basically talking about the most, most, uh, not most, it goes over a lot of stories in the book talking about women who wish they would have carried and yeah. why they do now carry because of what they went through. So a cornered cat, like when you're backed in the corner. Yeah. So. I mean, me and my wife were in a situation Christmas of 2018. Yeah. Where that shit Galleria. Galleria. Yeah, man, yep. when that happened, um, we were there. And I was like, man, I need to carry. I mean, like, I mean, it, I mean, it convinced me towards it. Am I carrying yet? No, not yet. Still working towards that goal. Yeah. Uh, but and at the same time, I, and think and that, I think that there are good arguments for it. In our, our church, we don't have a stance on that as a church. You know, yeah. we're about gospel of Jesus. But as a person, I, I like the Second Amendment. I like the right to carry. And mm -hmm. so I, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, but uh, this is a great book if you're interested in that. For sure. So, um, what's a book everyone needs to read, Thomas? Uh, so, I chose one from a Puritan named Thomas Brooks, and it's called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. Now, if that title seems wordy, that's because it's a Puritan. It's a Puritan. And so, you should expect the book to feel wordy, because the whole thing will feel very thick. But it's really good. He goes by line by line, thinking through how do you fight against Satan's devices of temptation and sin. And, he, and it's just a man, it's just so in depth. It's not even that big of a book. It's really good by Thomas Brooks. Yep. Yeah, there's a, a Puritan books, y'all. Like, I love the Puritans. They are not easy reads. No. Like, please recognize it that they are not easy reads. Um, my favorite Puritan book is um, John Owen on the Mortification of Sin. That is a great book, but man, it is wordy. 
and you, you can find like modern versions of these books too. Yeah, and let so. me say this too though. Thomas Brooks is probably one of the easier ones to me to read. I've never read this and, book. And so, so he's not that bad. Uh, John Owen is one of the most difficult. Okay. <laughs> yes. And I mean and I love Owen. I mean, I name one of my kids after John Owen, not John Thomas actually, although John does go there as well, but Luke Owen. Mm-hmm. Um and so I I, I just I, I love Owen. Thomas Brooks is easier to read, yes. but it's still thick. Yeah, like Jonathan Edwards is so hard to read, man. Yeah, he, it, this guy's easier than Jonathan I'm gonna be Edwards. Honest, John, Jonathan Edwards is boring, bro. Yeah, <laughs> intentionally sometimes yeah. he's boring. Yeah, he was. I mean, uh, great theologian. Jonathan Edwards was in a time where this great awakening, I put that in quotes, was happening, and people were falling out in the aisles, like shaking like bacon, all kinds of craziness, doing doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and saying it was the Holy Spirit. And so he basically did everything he could to take emotions out of his sermon to just let the words be the truth. And he was convinced of the Great Awakening too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He yeah. experienced like he experienced a lot of things of the Great Awakening that was going on during that time period, but. Yeah, I mean, just sometimes you read that stuff, man, I'm like... He was so uh, boring that he wrote a sermon one time that was, why you should not fall asleep in the pew while I'm preaching. That was basically the sermon. And he went through scripture. That's good. It's good, yeah. yeah but he had to tell somebody that? You're probably boring. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Probably. <laughs> so the book I'm going to recommend, uh, going to church history, is uh, The Story of Christianity by... Um, how would you pronounce it? Is that is it Justo? Is it Justo? 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 I think it's uh, Justo. Yeah, Justo. Yeah, Justo Gonzalez. I yeah. think that's his name. I, I, every time I recommend this book, I always go, The Story of Christianity by Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah. That's why I pronounce his name. Um, one of the best scholars, um, church history, um, the volume one and volume two. And the reason why I say yeah. the best is they're so good for people in the pew. Like, yeah, right? like they're not yeah. very academic. They read like novels. In other words, it's books. These are the ones out of all my classes of on Christian history survey of Christian history mm-hmm. that I enjoyed the most because it didn't seem so academic. Yes. If, yeah, if, I enjoyed if, it. I've, I've always said that if I ever do a church history seminar or do something like that here at, here at Troll Street, there's going to be the two books I use. Yes. Yeah, when I got into church history too, we had a different textbook. Yeah. I ordered volume two of, um, of Gonzalez because I was like, I'm just going to use this as the textbook because they're yeah. going to cover the same thing as a history book. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to sure. leave out? And right. so, great, great stuff. Um, I would encourage everyone, if you're interested, like me in church history, dive into it. Um, particularly the first 500 years of church history are my favorite. So, let's get going on our topic Whacking the Wolves. Now, we are not that creative <laughs> in coming up with this title. This is actually a title of an article that I read in that journal. Yeah, in that journal. And me and Thomas were talking about, like, you know, we're just talking as we do and i said man you need to read this article whacking the wolves and he was like dude that sounds like a really great topic to talk about on the podcast yeah and so thank you to nine marks journal for um particularly juan sanchez who's a pastor of high point and uh in texas juan says to whack the wolves juan says to whack the wolves (laughs) so we are so today today we're talking about recognizing false teachers in the church and protecting the flock yeah really important business yeah this is something that me and thomas we are both firm about like we've got to make sure that our eyes are peeled looking for wolves john calvin yep. says that the pastor should have two voices one mm. to gather the sheep and one to ward off the wolves yeah man and so that is what we do so we're going to talk about how to recognize the wolf and then also how to protect the flock so let's talk about this how do you recognize a false teacher how do you recognize the wolf thomas yeah so i mean there's a lot of things to look for and to be honest with you uh one of the things that i have down uh, underneath this and protecting the flock is kind of needs to go kind of first and that's as a leader as a pastor even as just as a regular church member you're responsible to help protect the flock okay mm-hmm. and so we need to guard the gate vigorously yes so before we allow somebody to join our fellowship we need to guard the gate you're constantly being vigilant 
Um, you're, you're watching, you're looking, you're standing ready, and you guard the gate. That means that's why we have a class where we talk through all the pieces of our church to see if you disagree with any doctrinal stuff. You have to agree with certain doctrines before we can be a member of the church. And then we do one-on-one conversations with everybody so we can hear how they came to know Jesus, look for aberrant theology. Uh, if they don't know Jesus, we lead them to Jesus there. Uh, protecting the flock means making sure that everybody who comes in the doors and wants to join our church really is a believer to the best of our understanding and that they have had every opportunity to understand what we say we believe mm-hmm. and that they then agree with those things. Yes, and especially on essential doctrines, right? Yes. Like, that, like yeah. you, me, like me and Thomas disagree on secondary doctrines yeah. that aren't going to matter when we get to heaven. It's just when I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, oh, man, I was right. And so I'm kidding. But anyway. You're talking about me, right? Yeah. I'm that would be right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, um, but what we are talking about is that there are essential doctrines that you must cling to. Yeah. And that's what's so important about having, you know, starting point and having these membership interviews and all these things. Like, I know that, like, a lot of churches don't do those. Yeah. But we do that to protect our church. Yeah, it's good for the the, mm-hmm. the person wanting to become a member needs to count the cost. Yes. And then we're here to protect the flock and to lead people to Jesus. And all 100%. those things get accomplished in those environments. So here's what we do to recognize the wolf. Um, a lot of times when you see somebody that ends up being a wolf, you find out when you look back on it, if you didn't see it before, that they they begin to seek in seek seek the idea of gaining influence so Thomas, within the flock. So Thomas, let me ask you this really quick. Yeah. These points that you're pointing out, are these things that you've seen in, in churches? Oh, yeah. These like, things I've experienced. Yeah. yeah. That, that you've experienced, like, and you're in your not just as a pastor, but your tenure as ministry, your tenure of ministry, yeah, tenure of ministry. I mean, like, yeah. for instance, uh, they seek to gain influence, sometimes they seek to gain influence by serving a lot, mm-hmm. so they will serve in a lot of capacities very humbly, and they'll be everywhere all the time. People go, Wow, this guy's a real servant, you know, and immediately they get bolstered up into influential positions, not maybe not by title, but because people see them serving, or it could be that they want to immediately get into a role of authority, uh, a teaching position, a deacon position, an elder position. They're desiring that immediately start asking, how can I do this? How can I do that? So when I see that a red flag goes off, Mm -hmm. even if they're serving well, I still want to be careful as a protector to say, I'm making sure that's not a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, We need to, we need to watch. I mean, Jesus tells us to do this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He tells us in Matthew seven. Yeah. Another thing they do is that they tend to doubt cast. So to doubt cast, I mean, yeah, they're doubt casters. And so, um, this would be people that they aren't dissenting per se. They're not going around having conversations saying, oh gosh, I don't like the pastor. Oh, I don't believe that. I can't believe those deacons did this. I can't believe that these teachers, can you believe the teachers doing that? Yeah, they're not organizing a mutiny, like, no. like purposefully. They're walking around going, man, are you sure you agree with what the pastor said on that? I'm not sure if I do yet. I mean, maybe, maybe he's right. Okay. And they're just sowing seeds of doubt everywhere they can. Mm-hmm. And so they're just, whenever there's an opportunity, somebody's saying something like, gosh, I didn't get a letter from this person. They go, man, you know, shouldn't a church do that? Should a church care for their members better? They're throwing some doubt. Instead of trying to resolve the issue and serve that person, they are sowing seeds of doubt. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to see. But if you're vigilant, you'll pick up on it. Yeah, if you're guarding the gate properly, yep. you will see it. And so, yeah. And we need everybody in the church looking for that stuff. I mean, it's not like, you know, see something, say something. It's not like that. It's just, just if you see somebody, casting doubt go to that person ask them if they're okay if they have a problem with something talk to them um, and find out if there's an and, issue and going sometimes on. people are just in a bad season yeah like, like sometimes like something happens where they, you know they they cast doubt on something because something happened with the pastor and they yeah and, and so that's why guarding the gate vigilantly and not just thinking not being the boy who cried wolf yeah you know what exactly. i'm saying like, like yep. you gotta you gotta watch people's motives and all this i mean stuff. I, i've been yeah. in ministry for 18 years mm-hmm. and i have only seen with my own eyes, probably about five wolves mm-hmm. that I know for sure were hardcore wolves and so not were, just misled yeah, people. They were false teachers. Yeah, within yeah. my own ministry environments. Yeah. 
Um, and when we yeah. say false teaching too, we don't necessarily mean that they're coming out and like doing like, I mean, I just, I showed Thomas a video today of like, yeah. did somebody doing a Gandalf thing yeah. on a stage at a church right. and declaring the end of racism yeah. with no scriptural basis. Yeah. You know, like those are easy to see. I mean, there's a scriptural, make sure we're clear. There's a scriptural basis for ending racism, yes. but not for what no, they no, were doing. I, I may, yeah. I may actually leave the video. I may, <laughs> we may have to leave the video for that one. But, but like what, I'm, but what we're saying is, is like some false teachers are really easy to see. Yeah. Like, right. There's this guy that pops up on my Facebook feed all the time because he's a really popular teacher that said that one time Jesus could not overcome these people's, uh, could not overcome these people's doubts. It's false. It's false. That's false teaching. That's so obviously false. And then you got guys like Joel Olstein who's like, so obviously false. But then you got then you got these guys that come into a church and they sow these seeds of doubt and they're not they're not preaching a unbiblical gospel. They may actually know the word really well, which we'll get to in a second. But they, in all reality, they're preaching an anti-biblical gospel in their actions and in their yeah. fruit, which is what Jesus said. They're, they're, they're preaching what I would call, which is unbiblical, but I call it an anemic gospel. Oh, anemic. Oh, it's missing some components that are necessary for it to be the true gospel. That is so good. I'm so, still in that. Yeah, I should have quote me on it, <laughs> at least the first time. Then you can say you've heard me say it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, so another one is not just doubt casting, but here's something. Listen, this is weird. Sometimes you can spot a wolf, and this raises a red flag for me. If somebody comes to the church and they know Scripture so well, like the back of their hand, they know a lot of Scripture. They're very well versed. Guess who knows a lot of Scripture? Satan. Yes. When you read Matthew four, when yeah. he's when he's talking tempting to Jesus, Jesus. yeah, when he is tempting Jesus, he is using Scripture. Yep. And that's what these false teachers will do. They will, yeah, they know yeah. Scripture. They will know it, man, and they will use it, and they will look like somebody who you should listen to because they know a lot. And they'll talk to people because most people in the church don't know as much as we should, right? We, we all need to learn and grow. And so they will influence things because they know so much. One little twist here and there, nobody notices. And that's the problem is they'll twist to Scripture. Yes. Um, in fact, uh, one of my favorite guys, Paul Washer, yeah, made the statement one time, man, where he talks about people will misuse Scripture. They say, judge you not, lest you be judged. And he says always, twist ye not scripture, lest ye be like Satan. Because yes. we are to judge those inside the church. We're to be on watch, mm-hmm. to be aware, because we love them. Yes. And so don't twist scripture like Satan does. And you wouldn't know that unless you knew all the scriptures talking about those things, right? Yes. Another one, the fourth one, is that pride is almost always a factor. Mm-hmm. Almost always a factor. Narcissism is, is what you've got yes. written here, Tyler. Um, here's what I would say about it. Sometimes it's pride that's not so noticeable at first because it's cloaked in a false humility. Yes. Okay. And they're really good at it. And sometimes it's pride because they just think that nobody recognize, they they don't even recognize they're a false teacher or a wolf. Honestly, they think they're a sheep, but they're a wolf. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to be aware of that, but it will always come out that pride is a factor in all of it. Um, a friend of ours, Adam Swan, you know, and him are talking about a, uh, a really big name pastor who is a false teacher. I mean, blatantly a false teacher um now he's deceived you know thousands of people yeah um but you know he he said you know one of the things that you can tell this is what swan said is they are so narcissistic yeah like they are so narcissistic and 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 when i look at like how these false teachers even though and this is like really silly the way they dress the way they carry themselves i mean there was like this uh there's this um there's this like website that came out it was uh preachers and sneakers yeah you know, and it was like showing all. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should Google preachers yeah, yeah, and sneakers. Get on Instagram and find it. Um, <laughs> I mean, they were calling out these pastors. Majority of them were false teachers. Now they did get JD Greer for wearing a pair of really fresh pair of Jordans. I mean, I don't want those Jordans. <laughs> JD Greer, I mean, you solid. can't you can't get us somebody for Jordans, no, though, man. Yeah. Jordans have been cool since like the nineties, eighties. Yeah, but, you know? but, but here's the thing about Jordans, though. Like, I mean, like there was like one dude, uh, pastor in South Carolina, false teacher. I mean, Joel Osteen's a dude's mentor. 
wearing $600 shoes. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, man, like, and I'm not saying like, look at a brother's shoes and tell if he's a false teacher. Yeah. But there's a narcissism that comes with wearing these like, you know, extravagant clothing, like yeah, wearing yeah. the Gucci belt and all this stuff. But in all reality, I mean, like the thing that we can also tell is just false teachers. What are they teaching? Right. Like, like, yeah, like, like that's, that's the biggest question. Yeah. Jesus says this in Matthew seven, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits or grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, and the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree, a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And let me caveat that a little bit by saying this, that you, you might see fruit that looks good at first, mm-hmm. but like any so fruit that's deceiving, right, <laughs> when you bite into it, you know. So after a little while, that fruit begins to show itself. Yes. And that's really helpful. Time is of the essence. That's why when people come here, we don't immediately throw people into teaching or leadership. Mm-hmm. There needs to be time. Even if we have an emptiness, even if we have a space where we need somebody there, we're going to take the time because it's way better to recognize that and give it time mm-hmm. than it is to try to pull somebody out of leadership after they're already getting influenced yeah, when they're and, a wolf. And, and that's not us sitting there going, well, you can't serve because you right. We're doing this to do our due diligence. Yes, to, make, to protect. To, I mean, because... I mean, I mean, I've heard Thomas say this. Like, I've heard him say this. Like, man, I pray this this brother, I pray this sister isn't a wolf. Like, yeah. I mean, like, like that's yeah. something that I've heard you say. Yeah, and I've, I've said that to several people. And so far, the people I've said that to <laughs> haven't turned out to be wolves. Mm-hmm. But it's part of the two parts that, one, I'm being honest with you and letting you know that I, I need some time to know who you are. And if you are a wolf, I just put you on notice. Yes. You know, you just know that I'm watching, I, I'm watching you. you. I want to see mm-hmm. because you have all the components of what could be really great leader or what could be a really ravenous yeah. wolf. He actually talks about that in the Whacking the Wolf article. That's mm. the, how the he got a call from a church planner, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm sending this guy to you because this guy's either a future church elder yeah. or he's a wolf." Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, and and how do you handle wolves? One, you can either confront them, and even Paul says to run away from them, right? Mm. And so yeah. now let's talk. Let's kind of shift gear. So this is how to recognize them. So but before we do, let yeah, me get, here's no Jude. Yeah. Jude four gives oh, some yeah. really good insights. I want to hit real quick on how to recognize them. Uh, this is what Jude says. For certain people, this is the church he's talking about, for certain people have crept in unnoticed, so that means they're already present, they snuck in under the guard, and he says, who long ago were des- designated for this condemnation. So they are, they're not even Christian. These are people that are going to hell. Mm-hmm. They're ravenous wolves. He says, ungodly people who pervert, I love this phrase, it's very telling, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now this statement is an outline for the whole rest of the letter. Yes. But when we see this here, he says, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality, basically who take what God meant for our joy joy in him and turn it into our fleshly joy and who deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. They won't deny all the time by saying he's not Lord. Mm -hmm. They'll just say like, you need Jesus plus this. Or, yeah, you need Jesus, but you need Jesus in this way. Or you need Jesus plus this extra little thing. Yeah. So they're denying his his soul sufficiency yeah. as our Savior. Adding and taking away yes. from the gospel yeah. is a pure sign of a cult or a false teaching. And we always catch, it seems, the, the taking away. Mm-hmm. But when, when you say, oh, he's not, he's not a, he was a sinner or he wasn't all God's son, those are obvious. But the thing we don't get is when you add to it. Yes. Okay, that's when people don't get it a lot of times. Yeah, that's really, All right, so really back good. to protecting the flock. So how do you protect the, the church? So how do you protect the church? Well, we talked about it, guarding the gate. So like yeah. we've, we brought up kind of how we at 12th Street guard the gate. Um, but how can like, let me ask you this question. So like how could like a member, like a, like a member of our church, how can they help us guard the gate? 
Well, I think so. Most people don't just show up at our doors unannounced. Like they know somebody here or and some do. Some just walk in because they've heard about something or they, they've gotten wind of it. Or they see a church on the road. Um, but if you know somebody and you're bringing somebody, you need to be oh, get to know them understand where they are ask just ask a bunch of questions to learn about where they're coming from i listen for things like was there trouble at any past churches that may not be a problem but i need to understand if there's some background yeah. um I, I try to ask questions that lead people to talk about their gifts um their abilities what they bring to the table that'll tell you a lot um and it may not be again tell you that they're a, a wolf but it does let you understand where they're coming from and it might help to, mm-hmm. to get a picture of that well and it goes back to you can understand that people everybody comes with baggage right yeah and so that's that's why I was mentioning earlier. What I mentioned earlier, not everybody who does these things is necessarily a wolf. Yeah. You know, it, they yeah. they are wolfish. They have some wolf tendencies. But we need to recognize those things so that the Holy Spirit can, as First Corinthians five say, you know, hand this man over to Satan so that you know for the beating down of the flesh. If they are a wolf. If yeah. they are a wolf. Yeah. And so. And um, so the Holy Spirit making. Can show us, in, yeah, convict, convict them in the church, and also maybe show us that we're wrong, or maybe they, there's nothing to worry about over yeah. time. Yeah. And so, and, and 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 just know that, like, we're not walking around like looking at some of you, like side eyeing you, like, <laughs> yeah, like what is that? No, we don't do that, but we are doing it because that is a biblical command. What's the second one? You got what you got? Well, up here? Be, vigilant. be vigilant. But vigilant, yes. we were talking about that. Keeping your eyes open, always aware, always aware of your surroundings. It's just good in general in life, mm-hmm. right? Especially right. in the church, um, and then protect the pulpit or pulpits. So mm-hmm. not just the pulpit, but also any teaching slots. People where people have authority. Yeah. So like Acts 20, right? Paul is is about to go to his death Mm -hmm. and he pulls all the Ephesian elders together and they meet him getting ready for his departure. And this is what he says in his kind of last hurrah of talking to them. And he says in verse 28 on, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's a word used for elders all throughout the New Testament. He says, to, made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Mm-hmm. That's some of the scariest language leadership-wise in all the church. Not just that that some will come in among you, but that from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. I've been in this environment before where we had an elder who um, ended up being a wolf. And uh, this is a man that they had set apart. Yeah, we set apart, laid hands on. We had known for a while. I didn't know him as well as others because I was kind of new to the area. But um, And then it became apparent pretty quickly something was wrong. But then they're in a position of authority and power. So what do you do there? You have to be careful. You have to take your time and then try to have conversations. And then it became evident this person was a wolf. Now, before we had the opportunity to take action on that, this Mm -hmm. person withdrew themselves from our fellowship. Um, And that's a hard thing because everybody doesn't understand what was going on. Uh, this person was an authority, but it, it, this was somebody that was from inside now, and including his spouse, were doubt casting, creating division. And when they left, literally the next Sunday, I had several people come up to me and say, "Gosh, I don't know what what's different today, but man, it's such a peaceful, joyous day in worshiping the Lord." And that's because all that stuff had been removed. And if I left with them, it's amazing. It doesn't just impact relationships; it impacts the spiritual moment of worship it, for the it, rest it, of the well, church. It impacts the health of the church. Yeah, I mean this just the overall health of the church. Yeah. I mean, I love the passage in Acts 20. And, Acts, and, and the church at Ephesus, I want to do a case study on this. I've told Thomas this, that like my first sermon whenever I do become a lead pastor one day is going to be, like my first sermon series is going to be just a case study on Ephesus because you can yeah. see it from its birth all the way to its death in, Re- in Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it's just such an interesting, interesting thing. And this is a thing that I've always noticed about churches, right? We are so big about saying we're people of the book, right? Yeah. Like, like, like we're people right. of the book. But when it comes to practicing the thing to protect your church, yep. the number one thing we're going to talk about, that, this, 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 this is going to be an ongoing conversation on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. Biblical church discipline. Yeah. Right. And so, um, and I do want to go back to protect the pulpits really quick. You said protect the pulpits. Yeah. Man, how many times have we gone to a church or you, or you see a church in town that they bring in a guy and they spend their, in their preaching and you're going, why is that guy teaching on that? Yeah, like, 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 what, like, what is that? Like, that's the way that like, you know, I saw just a couple of weeks ago, like there yeah. was a church that they, they brought in a, like, you know, a, a, a guy, a guy who's really big in politics. Yeah. And the guy mentioned Jesus, but it was more like a political stump speech. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, man, like that. You know, we talked about Americanism yeah. leading into the church. That open the door for it, brother. When like, you put somebody in the pulpit in yeah. your church, and you're say so you, like, if you're a church member, or whatever, yeah. you're basically telling everybody you can trust everything this guy says, mm-hmm. and you believe him, you back him. And so we've got organizations that want to send people to our church to talk about their needs, about their ministries, um, and and I might give them a moment to talk about a need if I like the organization, yes. I will not give them the microphone to teach no. because I don't know what they're going to say. No, and I don't want to have to undo what they've done. A couple of years ago in town, there was a cult that was coming through, The Way International. Yeah. And, um, Which really stinks because The Way is a really cool name. Yeah, so I mean, just, That's what Christianity was called yeah. before it was called Christianity. It was called The Way. The Way. And yeah. so this cult hijacked it, The Way International. Gosh. A local pastor who is not in ministry anymore due to a moral failing. Yeah. Um, went and to met these guys. They, they, a lot of them were working at Chick Fil A in town at one of the yeah, Chick Fil A's. Of course, started talking to the guy at Chick Fil A. Was like, man, you need to come share about your ministry at our church, and let this guy who oh, no. talks about Jesus come preach at his church on a Sunday morning. And so, like, and I heard about it secondhand, and I was like, man, like we've got to be more diligent about yeah. protecting the pulpit. But going back to my other rant about being people of the book. All right, like, let's just go ahead and like shift gears in my rabbit brain. <laughs> I cannot Welcome tell to you. the world of the rest of us podcast folks. Yeah, and so sorry. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, it just blows my mind about how many churches say we 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 practice this, but when it comes to it, it yeah. just doesn't happen, right? Yeah, and, sure. And I think that practicing church discipline is the way to handle a false teacher biblically. Yeah, so church discipline is is man, just like discipline your kids. It's out of love. It's out of love. And restoration. Look, I, I, yes. I had a I had somebody that we first initiated this at the last church I was at. I had a lady come in because she had been gossiping. And um, so we brought her in and just sat down, me and another elder, because I don't ever meet with another woman alone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in situations like that. And I just said, hey, look, I, I know you've been talking about X, Y, Z. And she, I said, she was real nervous. And I, I said, look, I just want to talk to you about seeing if I could get you to stop gossiping about these things. She said, well, it's not gossip. It's true. And I said... That's not the definition of gossip. Gossip is not just if it's not true, then it's then it's gossip. And so we talked about that, and I said, look, we need you to stop doing this. Would you be willing to stop, please, for the sake of this church, for the sake of the kingdom of our Lord, and for your own soul, would you stop doing that? She agreed, and she stopped. And then when I asked her why she was still so nervous, she thought, I thought you were going to kick me out of the church. I'm like, our goal no, is never to kick anybody that's, out of the church. That's not the purpose of church discipline. <laughs> no. The purpose of church discipline is restoring a brother or sister yes. to faith. Yeah. And people get so nervous when, like, we call them out or we talk to them about sin. Like, But, I mean, y'all, like, there's been cases where, like, you know, I've done something. Like, you know, and Thomas has sat down with me, like, hey, brother, like, you know, I don't know if that was the wisest decision. And yeah. 
and what that does is lead me to repentance. And that, that's yes. that's the thing too is, it, is this it should happen not with pastors and parishioners. It should happen with with each person that's a member of the church. If they see something wrong in somebody, or they see something where they've been offended by somebody, you should go to one another and do Matthew eighteen. Yeah. I'm not going to get into any more. We need to save that for later. This would be another podcast. Yes. We we'll do one on church. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to stop there. This would be another but, whole but, thirty but, minutes but, or hour. But really, church discipline though is the best way to handle false teachers. Yeah. It's the best process because it's the one that scripture gives us yep. on how to manage this. And so y'all, um, if you have any questions about false teaching, if you have any questions, yep. um, I can send you some awesome YouTube examples of false teaching. Yep. <laughs> so, how to spot wolves. And here's the phrase yeah. I would say to you in the short, and I got to say it. Uh, you, and, uh, and listen, like, okay. I walked into the Thomas's office earlier and I said, if this statement is not said, <laughs> I'm going to be so upset. Here it comes. Yeah. So this is what, so basically what do you do with wolves? And here's, this is the honest truth, man. You, you've got to make sure people understand a wolf is not welcome here. And so the way I've heard it said, probably somewhere else, and I say it is, if you find wolves, you cut their heads off, you put them on stakes, and you put them outside in front of the church to say that we, wolves aren't welcome here. If you come in here as a wolf, we will take care of business. That you, is very figurative, by the way. Yeah. But you, yeah. You, you, <laughs> we're just basically saying you're not welcome here. If you yes. think this is an easy target, we are not an easy target mm-hmm. because we are going to be defending the gospel and defending our flock. And that's what and that's what pastors, the word pastor literally means yeah. shepherd. Yeah. And we always think of the guy holding the little lamb, and that's part of it. But he's got the big stick to beat off the wolves. To beat off the wolves, and 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 it's and it's it's your responsibility too to spot these things, to know about these things. Yep. And I mean, y'all, I'm telling you, it's all around you. You mm. you just be vigilant and listen to it. Yep. I mean, and, and look out for it. And so, and be and willing if, to say something. And if you're listening in, and and you're at a church where you feel like there are some wolves, and you want to talk about it, reach out to us. Look us up on the website. Reach out to us. We'd be glad to talk with you, and encourage you, and pray with you, and maybe give you some encouraging words that you can go back to the Lord with and to your friends with. All right. Yeah. Well, y'all, thank you so much. Be listening up for our next podcast that's talking about church discipline. And so this is going to flow into a bigger conversation about what that is and what that looks like biblically. Rechurch podcast. We're out. We'll see you soon.